Hope is a traveling salesman peddling fancy vacations to happy endings you'll never see. Its embrace is so intoxicating. Come, Hope. Sit close and wrap me in your arms of could be and might be. Don't let go, and neither will I. Hope floods the mind with fantasies of a door number three, but in reality, hope itself is a wedge in the door no one asked you to keep open. That one's called Me When Starbucks is Out of Cold Brew. Welcome <laughs> to the horror pod. <sighs> Hello, Jessa. Hi, Lacey. How are you? I feel like I'm very far from you right now, and it's just mm-hmm. like I've never had such an urge to like touch you. Yeah. Before I want to is... reach and hold hands with you right now. Yeah. Um, I had a feeling that was coming, so I put two tables between us. <laughs> this is actually my fourth time on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be back. <laughs> last. <laughs> uh, the last time you were on my podcast that has never been released, just like every episode that's been recorded and never been released, uh, you interviewed me the whole time. You said you were offering a new service to help people with starting podcasts. Oh, I, yes, I will help any projector. If you are a projector and you're having a hard time launching your podcast, I will interview you on your first episode. That was a good episode. What happened to that episode? I think you have it. you have it somewhere because we recorded it and then um the wild tick thing happened (laughs) in nashville it was the eclipse with the fourth of july oh man right after all that's a real time capsule we got to go back that was a timeline ago yeah well I like to think horror pod's going to just be jumping timelines everywhere yeah so we'll put it out at some point I also hate the episode because I got so emotional and vulnerable. And you were like, I just don't think you can handle anybody loving you. And I'm like, you're right. (laughs) You're very right. But tonight, you know, I've had you love me all week. (laughs) It's been a great week. You just... I was just listening from the other room as you recorded an episode of Soberish on manifestation. And I was like, this is fucking wild being out in your living room while you're in your bedroom recording an episode on manifestation. When this time last year, I keep saying this time last year because this last 12 months for me has been insane. Yeah. And I remember this time last year, last August of 2019, I heard you for the first time and I was like, yeah, she's definitely going to be my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. And my twin was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) And he's like, I think she's famous. (laughs) Like really famous. (laughs) You're like, no, she's not. (laughs) She's not. If you Google, she has one page. (laughs) And I was at, uh, I randomly uh, manifested tickets to a Lizzo concert like around October last year so I've been listening to you for a little bit and I like sent you a DM at the Lizzo concert I manifested tickets to and you DM'd me back and I was like oh yeah we're friends like this is gonna happen I what did I say what are we what did we talk about I don't want to admit because uh I was like one of those I got to the Lizzo concert and I was like, uh, there's not a new episode of Sober a Shout. <laughs> <laughs> so I 
DM'd you and asked if you were, if you were going to release one that week, and you were like, I'm sick. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. Like, we're friends. <laughs> and Lizzo was, like, dancing in the background. I was like, I can manifest anything. Except for this week's episode. Uh... No, I'm soberish in the because you were at the. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then yeah, so then I had a reading with you, and you were like, "Let's do an episode," and I didn't think it was really going to happen. I was just like, "Okay," I I like couldn't believe it. I had no idea what I'd talk about, and then it actually happened, and I interrupted you the whole time talking about like whales. <laughs> And then I, I went home and cried. Oh, and no. I was like, Jess's fan base, are, they're going to hate me. I have this squeaky voice. She's talking about, like, aliens and brilliant galactic content. And I was, I interrupted you to, like, tell you I broke up with my twin flame. And by the time we got back together and whales. Yeah. Well, uh, those are all extremely popular things in the Soberish community. But also, uh, after your reading, I was like, we're friends. Like, I remember being like, yeah, we're friends. I was like, we're going to do an episode together. And you're like, what? What? And I was like, yeah, I'll just, I'm, I'm doing a show in Denver soon. I'll be there soon, friend. And yeah, I was, that was it in my head. People love whales in this fucking community. I know. The first thing I told you was, I don't have followers on Instagram. You're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you need help with that? Is that a wound for you? <laughs> I just thought like you would only want people on your podcast who had a platform. Yeah. So I was like, I trying... refuse to participate in that. I, as a matter of fact, when people are like, "Hey, I have a great plot," I'm like, "Nope, no, you're not allowed on." <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and then after we did the podcast, uh, I got even creepier in my manifestation, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember my friend called me and he was like how did it go on the podcast i was like yeah i think we're gonna live together (laughs) you better once at a hotel (laughs) i was like yeah i don't know what's gonna happen but i think i might i probably will be going to la or something (laughs) and i lived with you in nashville and i told him to suck it Uh, horror pod exists because of you. Oh. So thank you. Even, well, exists I say, is an air quotes, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, oh. it exists in the fourth dimension. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. Uh, pe- I know that people search for this podcast every time you post a recording in your story. <laughs> I've had a website launched for seven months, and the first thing when you get to the website is my voice being like, welcome to Horror Pod. <laughs> There's been zero episodes. Uh, but, um, I love that. So this, uh, this podcast exists on the astral plane because <laughs> of you, <laughs> and I really appreciate it. The inspiration you've provided <laughs> in my uh, dream space <laughs> to make this happen. Glad to help. Glad to help. How do you feel about the name Horpod? I love it. 
a lot of I've had some bad reactions. That that makes me even happier. Um, because this does H O A R mean something different than the other spelling? Yeah, it means graying, like gray hair, but it's oh. an old. I, thought, word. I was like like wheat. <laughs> <laughs> Pod. <laughs> yeah, it means like gray hair, and I love it because of like the triple goddess, the idea of maiden, mother, and crone. Right. So crone being wisdom, and that the word H O A H O A R is an older word than W H O R E. Right. And the first spelling, which is what is the podcast is named after comes from the idea of, like, the divine feminine carrying wisdom. And I feel like that was sort of ripped away. Right. And I think when we pay for sex, we're paying for this energy exchange. And I believe there's, like, a wisdom within that, that interconnection. And I believe we've turned it into such a derogatory thing but I loved the idea of whore being witchy and wisdom and ancient and grain. So basically, thank you for being an inspiration to me. And thank you for talking about your vagina today. <laughs> Just kidding. Wait, first poetry. Um, I want to talk to you about the mother wound, though. Yeah. I feel like we throw the word mother wound out a lot and people call and get readings about the mother wound, but just like in a general sense, what would you explain the mother wound is? I actually just learned this. Um, Erin shade talked about the mother wound on an episode and then she has mentioned it a couple times. And I think I was probably just when I heard it, it was like the other side of daddy issues or something. I just didn't, I was like, Oh, our moms sucked. You know, that's what it is. (laughs) And then Mark and I have really, uh, when I say Mark and I have gotten into, I mean, Mark has gotten into it and then given me the cliff notes on this uh, series of articles about the history of the multiverse and that the mother wound comes from the original split between the universal feminine energy and masculine energy that started the multiverse that we've experienced for, you know, ever. And that the mother wound is the feminine energy felt this loss and abandonment And the feminine energy has kind of been chasing the masculine energy through all of our history and that we come to earth, like we come to this 3D plane because it is the most effective way to heal this wound, but it plays out in every single thing where the feminine energy um, misses the masculine energy so much that it like longs and pines and engulfs and um, has a hard time believing that it can just receive and I see that in every area of my life. And I think that that's why we did all these twin flame um, incarnations in this lifetime was an attempt to make a huge healing of the mother wound. That said, apparently we heal the mother wound in every great age or something. And then we do it again. So, uh Yeah. So you feel like the masculine abandoned the feminine? Well, that's how the feminine experiences it. Okay. Yeah. That resonates in a, a little bit for me, but I also, I mean, I love everything you just said, but I feel like there, when I was in, I took some college courses 
and I was going to school for psychology. But then all of a sudden, word in the halls was that there was a witch professor named Oak running around campus. and Just like loose or had they hired her? <laughs> loose. <laughs> and I was like, I am going to get her. And she had a course um, called Death of the Goddess. And I was like, ooh, I'm definitely taking that. And that was like 11 years ago now. And I had no idea what it was going to be about. But the idea was that during the Paleolithic times, it wasn't necessarily just like a monarch society. It was ebb and flow of the masculine and the feminine energies. The masculine being this sort of like force energy that would go out and like hunt and gather and protect. And the feminine being like blood growing food, nurturing, and it's centered around, like, culture centered around the idea of mother with child. So there was more play during the day, play involved between masculine and feminine. Sex was more centered around the idea of play. And then there were, according to Oak, okay, I don't know, I should, like, check her sources, but there was the death of the goddess. So like a death of the feminine and not just with, there wasn't just like an abandonment of the feminine, but like a brutal death so that capitalism could exist so that we no longer had it like a trade based economy. And the way I see feminine is that it's very much like flow. Right. And and like so much flow energy and, you know, I want to talk about your sex life, but I don't know if you feel comfortable with that so we can edit this part out. But you said something recently about, like, the feminine energy during sex. Yeah. You want to talk? That's- yeah. Um, so one thing, I think we're both saying the same thing. So this was, like, at the beginning of the multiverse. And so in an, in an attempt to heal it, we've gone masculine age, feminine age, masculine age, feminine age. Yeah. And it sounds like she's referencing at the beginning of this last masculine age, there was a death of the God. And right now, because that's what happened in 2012 is the, the rebirth of the feminine. And now we're trying to get, so this is, we're trying to get unity right now and then go into unity. Um, so, uh, my relationship with sex, um, has been Difficult. I had a lot of sexual abuse as a child and then mostly by today's standards, unconsensual, like coercive sex. I I think that was just all of our experience in the the 90s. You know, the early 90s was like getting pressured into sex. And so um, by the time I was an adult, I could only really have sex if we were playing some kind of rape role play. Um, and I didn't know why, but the more I healed, the more I realized and learned about body memories is I found that I, um, needed the, the premise of the sex to match the way my body felt when someone was touching me. Um, that's all very depressing, but as I, I've also used sex to heal a lot of those wounds because like consciously doing some sort of role playing, you can actually go in and heal a bunch of your sexual trauma And now for the first time in my life, I'm capable of like intimate-ish. I'm like capable-ish of intimate sex. 
where like before the idea of like sex facing each other or like looking at each other's face or saying, I love you. Like I, like my, my skin would crawl if we talked about that. So it has been about kind of allowing intimacy, but, um, we've also been kind of intuitively working with like energy, like moving energy in sex and like, because I, I do believe, and I have accidentally had galactic sex before where energy takes over and your like consciousness goes to a different place and you like your bodies disappear. I've had like two or three experiences in the last 20 years where I tap into some galactic thing and this happens, but anytime I've ever tried to do it, it didn't work, but I've really never had a partner before who I was like, do you want to figure out galactic sex? And they were into it. I certainly didn't have a partner that I was like, I want to figure out galactic sex. And they were like, I've read nine books on the subject. So, <laughs> um, and what we have found is that I am having a difficult, that there's like this pushing energy thing that he can do that like moves energy up a, like a meridian that I can like feel. And cause I don't, I could like read a book on it. I'm sure this is like the premise of Tantra or something, but like my brain doesn't st store knowledge. I have to figure it out first but I can feel a meridian in my body that it's going up and I can feel myself stop it below my heart chakra. And then I have to try to like open it up. I have to like allow this energy to come through and it's actually really difficult for me. And so I had gotten it recently, like let it go really far, like the farthest it had ever been. And then we live in different States now. So the next time I saw him in the meantime, I had been hurt. I had had a, 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 like a, like a painful abandonment experience with someone that wasn't him. And, um, I was like processing that consciously was kind of getting to a place where I was like, I think I'm, I think I get why this had to happen and whatever. But then we tried to do that. And, um, I ended up like crying because it, I, we were like back to square one. Like I couldn't open that meridian and I'm calling it a meridian. I don't know if that's what it is. This is what it feels like. It feels like a freeway and it feels like it's supposed to start at, you know, like my root chakra. And then it feels like it's supposed to come out of the top of my head. And once we, we did something where he was like pushing energy. I don't even know if this was sex or just like our bodies close to each other. And I like he pushed it so far that it like came out of the top of my head. And I was like, like pushing things out, like gross things that had been there for a long time. And, um, that was when we first met, but I, um, I first got together, but I, uh, I couldn't open it at all. And then I was like kind of frustrated. And then I heard a voice that said, she's not going to be able to do it. She got hurt. And then I just started bawling, you know, which is like super hot for the person that's <laughs> trying to fuck you. <laughs> I was like, sorry, I needed to cry. <laughs> no, I love that because I feel like it sounded like I really skipped from the mother wound to tell me about sex. <laughs> but I think it's so deeply connected because we're going through a huge death process in the world right now from this like heavy masculine energy. And I feel like for us to be able to flow into the feminine energy, not that feminine or it's not going to like turn into a matriarch, but for there to be that balance, we all have to tap into our flow 
into that divine feminine to heal the mother wound. And as you were talking, you kept going from the root to your heart, from the root to your heart. And I feel like a lot of our mother wounds get stored in our womb space. So in the root, no matter what gender we are. But if you're a person with a vagina, you can do a lot of heart healing through healing the vagina, like vaginal steams with certain herbs like rose and steaming rose on your vagina. The rose literally goes up what you would call a meridian <laughs> in your root. Other people call it their puss. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> if only everybody could see your facial expressions <laughs> when you said the word puss. <laughs> it's the worst word. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to get it out without... <laughs> I come up with funny shit to say all the time, but I'm like, in case, I'm like, um, I cr- I laugh at my own jokes so hard that like it's hard for me to get them out. And I was like, this is gonna be hilarious if I can pull it off. Uh, your face was hilarious. <laughs> what was the face? I can't do it. <laughs> I just can't. Um, but I think it is like tapping into that flow, and I think even like I think you're really lucky that you have a divine masculine or I am very lucky and a divine being to tap into that with you. And it's sort of like this, this like circulation, right. Of energy. Yes. Yes. Talk about that. Um, it feel, and this is all like intuitive. I mean, I feel like I've seen pictures of things, but it feels like if I figure out how, figure out sounds so masculine energy. If when I get to the point where I feel safe enough that I allow that to go through, I feel like it is supposed to go like, it's supposed to come out of me and then come back around. And then it is like a complete like sharing of energy. It goes through your puss. (laughs) (laughs) My divine puss. (laughs) Up your heart chakra to your crown, outside of your crown to his crown down his heart chakras. What would you like to call this? <laughs> <laughs> what name do you have for this? Throbbing phallic rod. <laughs> Through his throbbing <laughs> rod. Sure, you can turn that into a contracture. Is that what they're called? Conjunction? Uh, uh, his throbbing rod. Yeah, but you're lucky to have that. I am. And even people who don't have a partner right now, and it doesn't have to be, and if you do have a partner, you can play with roles and you can play with energies. So you can have one person be like, you carry the masculine energy in this. Like you tap, no matter what the gender is, you tap into your divine masculine right now. And hold space for my divine feminine right now. And create this like circular flow of energy. And I believe sessions like this are helping to create the new world. And you can do a lot of manifesting energy from this. And it's like healing the feminine and masculine within our body. 
on the micro, but I think on the macro, it's bringing a lot of healing. And if you don't have a partner, you can embody... A lot of times, I don't think we feel safe enough to tap into our different energies within ourselves. So, like, even if you define as, like, highly feminine, you can tap into your masculine and masturbate from a different energy. I think people don't realize we can be creative with our masturbation because a lot of shame is still happening with masturbation. So we can, like be more aggressive like if we if we view the masculine as more aggressive or the masculine is more protective we can hold that space and do it to ourselves and vice versa we can hold feminine energy and have more nurturing masturbation sessions and literally view them as healing sessions and even if you do have a partner it's like beautiful to start doing that with yourself as like a manifestation healing practice within your own body. And I don't know if I'm like way oversharing our sexual history, but we waited a while to have sex. Um, And so we did like energy stuff without sex. And it was like more effective almost, I think because you're not orgasming. And I feel like, I feel like we might be a little heavy on the orgasms you know <laughs> yeah I used to not come I wouldn't come for like if I wanted to create something back when I was still hacking manifestation I would be like if I wanted to manifest like a new job or something I wouldn't orgasm while I was trying to manifest it so like I'd go like three months which anyone that knows me that's a very long time um until I had created the thing and then I noticed that I was more attractive not physically attractive but attractive I attracted things in my life to me when I wasn't like releasing that and then I could feel it go bad I don't know if there's any basis in this but like I I could feel the energy go bad like um get stagnant and then I would release the energy but I think there's a lot to be played with with energy exchanges it doesn't necessarily have to be banging it out and um or like you know dropping a load is this (laughs) Whoa. <laughs> uh, I just think this is funny because you were like, are you okay talking about sex? And now I'm just like, what if you just Banging it out, <laughs> dropping a load left and right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people call me to do energy work around the idea that they can't orgasm. And there's like such like heightened <clears throat> fear and pain and anxiety about this result it's like very result based yeah and not feeling good enough because of not being able to orgasm and to me orgasm is all about like safety and feeling good yeah what were you gonna say um i was gonna get into and i don't know i this is i talked about this a little bit on mormon a lot we talked about this a lot on mormon and the meth head but this like intimate energy exchange and stuff, even learning how to come with a partner. I didn't, I didn't learn that until like a year and a half ago. Yeah. I never came outside of masturbation by myself. And, um, and it was when I finally did, it wasn't like, because they were finally good at it. It was like, I finally allowed that experience to happen. I finally felt safe enough to do that. And in that sexual relationship before this one, I wouldn't call that like this kind of intimacy it was healing our sexual trauma in sex. 
and like playing roles for each other. And then it's almost like getting to go back. Obviously this requires like the safety of a partner who's also this, but like even within like my fantasy life and masturbating and like, um, I think I got very hurt in my first marriage because I got cheated on a lot and I developed a fetish of the person I'm in love with having sex with other people. And um, I got to explore that quite a bit in my lifetime, you know, because it's not a hard sell. It's like, <laughs> hey, I can only come when I think about you fucking other people. You want to do that? They're like, fine. Um, but I was able to heal the wounds of being like cheated on by taking taking my power back. I don't know. And like um, allowing myself to enjoy that or like enjoy them enjoying that. And then likewise with like sexual trauma that I experienced in my life where I wasn't in control and then being able to role play those things. And I healed in that. And then those fetishes, most of them went away. And I, um, I was able to then like have like healed intimate sex, which would have freaked me the fuck out. I would have like, yeah, it's so much about receiving a lot of times when people can't orgasm, it's hard for them to receive anything in daily life. And a lot of times those people didn't, I don't want to say those people, those people who don't <laughs> orgasm. <laughs> no, it's just, it's totally an act of receiving and feeling worthy enough to receive. And I think a lot of times people aren't necessarily fucking who they want to fuck. There's a lot of guilt and obligation around A lot, sex. a lot, a lot. Yeah, and it's so hard for people to admit sometimes they don't actually want to be with the person they're having sex with. And I think that's a huge part of it. But I, you're the first person I ever heard say that you're turned on by your partner being with someone else. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've heard people like be like threesomes and like a part of it, but just the idea of them doing it, like, and you're not even a part of it. Well, we had a lot of threesomes, but it was like, um, okay, well, here's what I want from the threesome is I kind of want just to watch him. And you're just like chilling. Um, yeah. Once I edited a podcast while it happened and it was like, um, uh, that was great. That was a lot of fun. We, we took turns editing the podcast and, um, it's like a great <laughs> wow. I'm like really good friends with her. Yeah, it was actually uh I love her. Um Yeah, no, I mean we I would like participate in the threesome, but we would like I we would start out with me like in the other room so I could just hear it. And then I could never and you like, like slowly creeped in. No, I would you you got to come in at the right time and then you got to come you you can't creep in cuz you can the ecosystem of a, of a, like, multiple person sex, you know, any kind of, like, threesome, foursome, whatever, it can get thrown off very easy because you don't want to push people into their mental space. So you got to be real slick. Um, but, no, I would just, I would, like, it was, like, hotel rooms, you know? So it was, like, um, an embassy suites or something. And then, yeah, it would come in when it was the right moment to come in. And um, largely really positive experiences, but I think they were really positive experiences because I really wanted every aspect of this. It was always also like someone I liked, but um, 
threesomes usually get weird because the person gets insecure about their partner enjoying someone else, which is like kind of what I'm there for, you know? So that's why it's so mind blowing to me. I feel like on the surface, I'm so open sexually and like have worked in the sex industry, but the idea of that, I don't know how to be vulnerable enough for that. Like that feels like such extreme, that feels like way more vulnerability to me than being with someone who's looking me in the eyes and saying, I love you. Interesting. Like way more. It feels like I'm giving my power away to more than one person at a time. Are you talking about threesome or just letting your partner both. have sexual experiences with someone else? Yeah, both. I couldn't, like even the threesome, like I would have to be vulnerable to two people touching me and understanding my body and like, ugh. I like to be good at what I'm doing, and I feel like I would be really awkward. Like, I'm so encouraging of other people doing it, and I yeah. feel like I could do a huge orgy. But just, like, a threesome, I feel like I would be too much of the vocal point, and it would just, I would be awkward. I'd be dwarfing yeah. the whole time. Yeah, it is, um, this, the setup in that relationship with the threesomes was, like, the perfect, like, landscape for it, because it just, you know... It just was the right dynamic. I don't yeah. know that I, um, I've had other threesomes where the, like, I wouldn't want to be the third person in someone else's relationship. And it's like the couple has to make the other person the focal point. And I feel like a lot of times people do threesomes for like these weird fucking reasons. Like my boyfriend always wanted to try it, but I didn't really want to do it. And then the, the woman's thinking about the other woman's body and it's all this fucking mess, you know? So it's like, what are we, why are we doing this? And does everybody want to do it? Yeah. And so in that relationship, like it was, it was the perfect setup and it was kind of the perfect. Um, and, uh, and then the, just that, you know, my, my, I've had another relationship where I like really loved the person, but didn't necessarily like wasn't sexually compatible. And it just felt, it feels insane to me to like make someone live in monogamy. Monogamy is like mandatory. feels weird to me if both people don't want it, but like make someone live in monogamy when I'm not like firing at the same speed as, you know what I mean? Like I don't want to have sex with this person. So why am I going to make you live a sexless life? Yeah. And, um, I'm so sexual and I can have sex with my partner like 12 times a day, but then I logically understand like, you probably want to have sex with someone else. Right. And I'm like, I have such, I shouldn't like admit this in public, but I have such a weird energy around it where I'm like, can I pencil it in that you go fuck someone else on Thursday next week? And (laughs) and I just want to be like, so disconnected from it. I don't know. It's like a weird, whenever I feel someone, it's like kind of from the same energy vein of, I feel someone pulling away from me. So I'm like, okay, my suitcase is already in the car. Take care. Right. I have a weird, um, thing where I'm pretty free with it after the newness of a relationship. So to me, I feel like non-monogamy is a great, I, I mean, I, I've, completely honor anyone's non-monogamous experience. But for me personally, I feel like you have exciting chemistry filled connections that would be terrible relationships and they're fun. But when you're looking for a relationship, they mostly just create chaos in your life. 
And then you have like solid life partners and those also have chemistry and whatever, but like they're so solid that like after a few years, the foundation is built and maybe they're not as exciting as they were in the beginning or whatever. And I think sometimes people blow up these beautiful, like could have lasted forever or a really long time life partnerships because they want to have new experiences. And it's like, if we got rid of this fucking monogamy idea as the, you know, standard, if you really love someone and we're just like, Hey, we have a great home business together, whatever. We enjoy having sex with each other and fun, but like I'm starting to feel old and stagnant in this reality. Can we just add dating or, you know, not even like, relationships just can we go fuck other people and then i think like that's where i see it for me which is like when you know yeah i like when you said that when you had a third person you guys like it's almost like you and your partner made it like you had good communication around it yeah and you like made it a ritual to like honor someone else's body while still honoring each other it feels yeah. like good energy when you talk about it, but it, because of my own shit, I feel like I have this, like, am I going to perform good enough? Am I going to look good enough? Are they going to like me? Is my partner going to love me less? Does that person not actually like me? It like feels like a lot of this like insecure yeah, chaos in my head, which also tells me that I should probably do that soon. Like, I, whenever I feel that, like, all the potential of how bad it could be for me, it usually is telling me it's something I need healing around. And whenever I do something, I see all my fears in it and all the chaos around it. And I get closer and closer to the edge. And I'm like, oh, shit, everyone's going to hate me afterwards. Or I'm so disgusting. Or I'm gross. Or I'm not going to perform well. And then I, like, close my eyes and jump off the cliff. And then it's usually fine. Usually land somewhere. Yeah. I, there's so much expansion in these experiences. Like in polyamory, they call it compersion. And it is the, it's like a different form of love. It's, it's the love and pleasure that you get from your partner experiencing pleasure. And part of it's voyeuristic for me. There is like a real voyeur um, aspect to me. And I want to know what it looks like when you're having sex with someone else, I want it, but like, not from like a, I, there are some things in life that I'm pretty confident about and sex is just not. I feel like I'm confident about sex and I feel like I'm a freak and I feel right. like I'm so, I sound like such a prude right now. I'm like, <laughs> have you heard about this idea called a threesome? I'm terrified. <laughs> um, no, I think I've had that, like, same fantasy of my partner, like, having sex with someone else. But I'm, like, so scared for it to ever manifest. It took so long for me to even, like, manifest, like, or speak to a guy about it. Because I was just, like, he's... But it, it like, made me hornier than anything else. Just envisioning him fucking someone else. And I was, like, does this mean I hate myself? Is it, is it like, do I have a hard time envisioning him fucking me? Is this a little disassociation or is this healthy? I can't watch porn because I don't know those people. <laughs> so I'm like, who are these strangers banging their bodies up against each other? I can I only like, watch where porn. Where is the story? 
Who is yeah. in love with who? Yeah, exactly. This is just because I don't like body slapping up against each other. That I start to get like I disassociate from the idea of sex when it doesn't have something in it, when it's not moving some sort of plot line forward or something. And um, so for, I don't know, my, like, since I started masturbating, I can only masturbate to the, to a movie in my head of the object of my affections, um, this is until very recently, um, the object of my affections having sex with someone else or them masturbating. And then um, it's like, uh, their pleasure is the only thing that, like, like, that gets me off and so i if i did watch a porn i had to look like the person i was in love with and then i had to like picture them in it a lot of work um or yeah i could get it it's very strange when you get really into it but i think it is um i don't think it's necessary i've like played with the idea that it's coming from a broken place but i think it's in a lot of us we've just been told like oh there's a there's a loss that you could suffer here or like jealousy creeps in or like insecurity or what if I'm not good enough, but it is just extremely hot. And I used to just like trick, not trick, but I would like lead my significant others into telling me their sexual stories. I did the exact same thing. (laughs) I was in a relationship with a, not a guy for a while. And I was like, we'd go to parties and he'd be like, did you find her attractive? (laughs) You were checking someone else out the whole time. And then this person was like, Lacey, what the fuck is your problem? (laughs) And I, like, pretended to be mad about it just to, like, have sex about it. Yeah. Just to hear about it. And I was like, this is so confusing even to me. And it took me for so long to, like, admit what it actually was. Because I just seemed like a jealous psychopath. I, um... For years into my second marriage, he would, uh, we'd be out on date nights and we'd be eating and we'd be like by de- dessert time and I'm, I've got him deep into sex stories. And then he's like, I don't know why I always do this. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I like talk about fucking other women at dinner. And I'm like, yeah, I have no idea why. So then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yep. We got a long ride home. Keep going. <laughs> yep. Um, and then there was, you know, like that marriage was open for a lot of it and it was, you know, super fucking hot. Was it hot or did it hurt? My thing though is like, I I have to know what's happening because I do have an attachment thing to deal with. And so he wanted, um, I wanted full disclosure and he wanted don't ask, don't tell. And then that just leaves my brain. My hypervigilant brain is already, okay, he answered this text. He didn't answer this text. Okay. It's been this long since he returned the thing. Okay. He brought, he decided, right? Like my brain already is constantly doing that. Um, now it's going to try to figure out where you're at. And then I had another relationship where he, he was like, I don't want to have to tell you. And I should have said that doesn't work for me. But instead I was like, okay, and then I was con- like, I drove him nuts because I was con- like, I was trying to like constantly gauge where he was at. Where instead he could have been like, I'm gonna go hook up tonight. And then I hooked up. You know, I have to know her fucking personal details. But like, um, so if I ever do that again moving forward, I just I don't want to have to deal with the attachment system stuff. Which anytime you're having a you know a relationship, a sexual relationship with someone else you know, my attachment system is going to gauge that 
and want that data. So um, those two things existed at the same time. Like ph- philosophically, I'm pretty anti, not anti-monogamy, but I'm pretty pro-non-monogamy. I don't think I want to ever like start a relationship like that. Like I want to have the beginning of my relationship when I'm still super excited about it. Um, it's newness and getting to know each other and stuff. Cause I did a relationship where we just started non-monogamous and it was a shit show. Um, and then I don't know if I'll always like do that. I also am pretty monogamous. Like I myself am not super interested in, um, other relationships. Like I did, I had kind of a one person thing. Yeah. I feel like a lot of sex is magic for me. So there's one part where it's like my attachment shit and I have, that's always running. And then the other part is I read energy through bodies and it's, it's really fucking vulnerable to have sex with people when how you read energy is through bodies. And not only do I read energy by tapping into bodies, sometimes I like fully take on other people's energy. So sex for me is really sacred. And I hate when people say that because it feels like religious or gross or like rules around it. But it has to be sacred for me. Meaning like... People have to be sober in, like, every way because uh, when you're not sober and you're fucking other shadows within yourself can kind of come out. Like, if you're really drunk and you're having a lot of sex, other energy can enter your energy field that isn't even yours. I'm just 1999. Go ahead. Yeah, like, if you're out in a club and you're getting really drunk, and no judgment because I've done it a lot. Um, and some people, they, they don't read energy fields, you know, but I kind of think we're all taking it on somehow. Um, so if you're out in a club and you're getting drunk and someone latches on other people's energy, you can latch onto our energy field all the time. And we're still us, but we're, us is many different timelines of who we are. And it's hard to be in control of our current timeline if we're intoxicated. I am completely, and I've also done it a lot, but I am completely anti, not anti, what does I keep wanting to say anti? I completely agree about altering and, do, no, no psychedelics? I love psychedelics with the right person. With the partner. And I, the partner. I couldn't have sex with multiple people on psychedelics because I have no idea what timelines no we would way. go on. No way, no way, no way. I don't, um, yeah, Sorry. So I, when I wasn't a heal, when I wasn't doing my own healing work, but I was just out there roaming the streets with superpowers, <laughs> uh, oops, um, I would go get drunk and then I would like take people home and have sex with them. And then I would, and, and it was dudes and we would just like, I would like give a blow job, but also be like pulling out timelines from the root chakra so they'd be like crying or laughing and then talking to me about like abuse or how they saw the world. And then I just started hosting fucking healing sexual sessions. And I'm just like, <laughs> why, why did I not have a website at this time? <laughs> and it was 
was a way I was like healing myself too. Cause I was very, there was a period I was deeply scared of the masculine and I had always been in a relationship. And then I was like 22 running loose and getting drunk and then just bringing these men home. And I would bring a variety of different masculine men home. And I would see that the core of them all just wanted love. They all just wanted to like laugh with me and love. And not that they loved me, not that they were giving me love, but when I could like look at them and hold space for them, I saw that they just wanted love and something about their authentic yearning for love made me realize they weren't this monster that I'd been creating in my story. Wow. Yeah. But on that note, <laughs> I don't, then I, since I've been 21 or 22, I've haven't been sleeping around with a variety of people too much here and there. And now I'm like entering this phase of like, could I again, could I open that up? But I'm so scared of like reading people's energy. It feels like a psychedelic experience every time I have sex, because when I go into someone's energy field, it's not like it's my superpower and I'm feeling their energy. It's like, oh, we're both tapped into this superpower right now so they can start to feel my body and my trauma and my pain in a way that they might not have felt that in other people before. And it's almost like it awakens powers in them too. And I think this isn't a lacy thing. I think we're all doing this on certain levels. And I think as we get into more galactic sex, we're going to be able to tap into people's timelines consciously through sex and be able to heal each other's timelines through sex. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. The thing that I was finally reconciling with is that I'm not meant for casual sex. And so most of my sexual experiences were like pressure, right? I would get like pressured into them and very easily because I, my, my primary trauma response is freeze. So, um, and you've seen me get like, yeah, I just tend to freeze in any situation where I'm uncomfortable. I just, I don't say anything. And so there were a lot, like my young sexual experiences were just lay there and take it. And then I would almost always cry and they would have to stop. Like I would almost immediately start crying because someone touching my body feels like I'm on fire. And then, um, and then I got married and was married until I was like 21. And then I drank alcohol. And while I was drinking alcohol, it's all a blur, but I almost always got taken home at some, or, you know, something. So there was a lot probably that I don't remember at all. And then I did math and I only had sex with a few people the whole time I was on math and, um, long-term relationship in there. And then I got clean. I had sex with one person. I hated it. And then I got married. So I really haven't had a lot of sex. I've, uh, done a lot of things to get out of sex. You know what I mean? So like, um, I, I tend to, if, if things have gone too far because then this thing kicks in where it's like, I owe it to them or whatever, I'll like blow them so that I can get out. Um, but someone touching my body is, um, like another level and it's almost never comfortable for me. Um, it's too, I like disassociate. I have a really hard time being there and part of me thinks that's trauma and then, uh, Part of me 
is like, oh, this is an energy exchange. And I just don't want to have this energy exchange with like the threesomes were very conscious. There were people we really liked and we were like sharing an experience together. But there was also something about the fact that he was someone I felt safe with. And because he was someone I felt safe with, I was able to do that there, you know, that I was able to share that because then I would go to try to like have that by myself and it wouldn't work. So I'm at like, it's trauma, but then it's also maybe the trauma made me aware of like how we're not taking this experience seriously enough and that it's actually a big energy exchange that like means something. It does matter. Yeah. And to be honest, like I have a hard time being honest about this because in a way, like I'm overtly sexual in some ways and it's like an overcompensation because I still have so much fear and pain around sex. Yeah. And I like have thrown myself into like overt sexual situations, like at the strip club and working there. And like my, when I perform on stage, it's highly, highly sexual. And yeah, the only way I can describe it is like trying to take my power back. But sometimes it looks like flailing. And sometimes I still don't know how to not, I still don't know how to open myself up sexually the way I think I might want to. Like, I believe in experience in life. And the fact that I haven't had, like, a diverse, diverse, No, uh, Dictionary? a wide range of sexual experiences right now that I'm 30, like a lot of, a lot of my sexual experience just come from trauma, but I haven't stepped in having like all these wild sexual adventures with multiple people from a place of power. Right. A lot of my stories around sex are still so trauma based to the fact that I'm, like, 30 and still realizing, oh, shit, that was trauma. Yeah. That was Fucking, another yeah. trauma experience. You and I were in the pool the other night, and we were, I don't know what we were, we were talking about the divine feminine and different energies, and you said, at one point, I falsely accused people of rape. You said that, and I'm like, that just didn't resonate in my body. And then you sort of were unpacking it and you're like, oh, wait, that was rape. It just socially couldn't be considered that at a time. I feel like I'm telling your story. Yeah. Um, in the back of my head, I'd always stored it because I got, um, by 2020 standard, these were all rape experiences. And I experienced them as, as rape. Um, but society didn't have my back. So growing up in the, in the nineties, it was like, unless you were getting held down and tied up, none of these things were rape date rape. Like, I think I was like 20 when people started talking about date rape. And even then they were like, Oh God, here we go. And so I had experiences where like, I wasn't allowed out of the room until I sucked someone's dick or I had sex with them. And these were just like high school. These weren't even drug experiences. I had experiences, many experiences with 
people fucking me while I was asleep at like after falling asleep at parties and I wake up in the morning and I was a teenager and they were adult men and they were like, and then I would go to the adult woman at the house and be like, you know, so-and-so raped me. And then I would get in trouble for like starting shit and making it up. And so I really had stored all of those, like when me too came out and, and they were like, believe every woman in the back of my head, I get this ping like, yeah, but I have falsely accused and so I said that the other night, like, well, I have done it. And then when I went to tell the story, I was like, fuck, that was rape. Like that was rape by today's standards. But like, we didn't, nobody listened to me. And I had to like say, okay, I did. I lied, you know, but like I didn't. And so it felt like rape because it was rape. Yeah. Um, but it was the same thing as like when I was a kid, I was, I like was exaggerating and I lived in a fantasy world and I like, I've hated that about myself my entire life. Like I'm ashamed of that. And then my dad's awakening, um, last year was really centered around my childhood. And at one point he said, we punished you for things that in 2020 would have been so obvious that you were screaming for help because you were being abused. Like these things in my behavior, the making up false realities and the, you know, not even false, like exa- like complete fantasy. I was like f- an entire visit. I was a dog and I wouldn't communicate as a human and um, just was constantly like hiding in fantasy worlds. And it was cause I was being molested and no- I was trying to get people to listen and kids don't know how to say, Hey, I'm being molested. The whole thing of yelling about kids or disregarding kids with the notion that they're just doing it for attention, they're just doing it for attention, it's like, yeah, why do they need attention in this way? Right. Yes, of course they're doing it for attention. Yeah. And that's what he was like in 2020. Anyone who witnessed the kind of kid you were for years would have said... Even when they finally sent me to therapy, the uh, school counselor when I was 14 said I was acting provocatively. But even in that, she was like, like, it's a problem. Like, she's a problem. She acts weird. It's a problem. And, like, that's the premise that I was taken to therapy. Like, like, it was all slightly punitive. And, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I have some stuff to unpack when I said that. And then you also in that conversation were like, yeah, an entire relationship of like, you know. Yeah, I, and I'm still unpacking that because this notion of nice, he was a nice guy. And I was in a relationship for five years with this nice guy from the like age of like 16 to 21. And his whole family was really nice. Like my, I came from a broken family. I came from being an orphan and taken away from my home. And he had like his mom had a great job. They were all a part of like this hippie church. They had like new age gatherings. I remember I met him and he was wearing a shirt that said manifest me. And I was like, what does manifest mean? And I got to, like, learn and grow with them in Boulder, Colorado. And then I also learned what cuddle puddles are (laughs) in these spiritual communities. I thought we promised you would never. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get back to the cuddle puddle. But in the relationship with him, he was so nice to me in so many ways. And it felt like such a reprieve from extreme physical violence and extreme blatant sexual abuse right 
And even the blatant sexual abuse is confusing when it's happening to you. All trauma, from my understanding, all trauma we experience, we don't necessarily realize we're going through trauma at the time, no matter how severe or how blatant it is until we step away from it because trauma immediately makes our body go into fight or flight. Yeah. Um, But so with him, he was my first safe person. He was the first guy who told me he loved me. We had fun together. We talked about the universe together. We ate mushrooms together. We went to concerts together. We played with animals together. We went camping. He could build things. And I was like, I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm safe. I'm loved. I'm safe. For the first time, my story was switching from being incredibly abused to I'm loved and, I'm loved and safe. But after like two years of being together, he started like having sex with me when I was passed out. So he would do it in a way where he would like take off my underwear while I was sleeping like very gently. And I remember I could never go to sleep naked or he would have sex with me the whole night. Jesus. And I remember being like, hey, I have school tomorrow. Like I was still in high school And he was older than me. And he would, like, take off my underwear, like, gently so he wouldn't wake me. Sometimes he would even, like, I'm not, like, the heaviest sleeper, but I can get into deep sleep. And not anymore. I don't really sleep deep anymore, but I used to be able to. And he would, like, scoot me to the side of the bed so my, like, legs would hang off the bed so he could, like, fuck me from behind before I woke up. Jesus, fuck. And sometimes he would do it just, like, on top of me. And I would wake up, like, (gasps) scared. Because all of a sudden, like, someone's, like, you know, like, directly on top of you. And he wouldn't fully put his weight on me until he was, like, inside of me. And then I would, like, wake up. And sometimes I would just be like, oh, he likes me. He just likes me. He thinks I'm really pretty. He's happy in this. And then sometimes I would wake up and I would just start crying. And then you'd be like, why are you crying? You cry all the time. And I'd be like, fuck, I cry all the time. I'm so fucked up. And then other times I would like scream at him and push him off me. And then I would just like go into like a screaming rage. And he would just like sit there and like zone out like stare at the ceiling as if he like didn't hear me. So he wasn't like fighting back or being defensive. So then I'd be like, oh my God, Lacey, you're such a bad person. You start screaming at him. Like he's just loving you and he's nice. And everyone in my life was like, you're so lucky to be with him because he's nice. And I didn't have parents and I didn't have any sort of like sense of family and his family sort of became my family and I got really close to his mom and she was like a mo- she's still like a mother figure to me and I remember like a year or two ago she was just like flippantly saying when she was in a relationship with his dad that he never wanted to have sex with her unless she was like dead asleep and she just said it was like it was nothing and then I was like Oh, yeah, same with your son to me. And she just turned the radio up really loud, and we kind of just kept driving. And then we talked about it again a few weeks ago. And I don't really know what the point is in talking to her about it. It's not like 
I think more like I don't understand how they both did it. Yeah. That's a weird uh, passed down thing. Yeah, because at first it was like, was he being abused by his dad? But that doesn't really make sense to me either. But I went to a counselor at the time because at one point he did it, and he would do it to me sometimes multiple times a night. Like I'd wake up and then try to fall back asleep and like get to REM sleep again. Jesus. And he would start again. So I felt like I could never, ever sleep. But I had no idea it was abuse. But he did it once, and I was, like, so mad because we pro- he promised he would, like, let me sleep before school the next day. And then he did it, and then I woke up, and I punched him. And I felt so violent and, like, such a bad person for punching him that I called a psychologist who I was, like, required to see when I got taken away from my parents. So she's had a history of my sexual abuse and a history of me um and she said oh just come in here with them we can all talk about it and I remember feeling in my body as and this could just be my own shit but I remember how she was like tell me about your sex life together and I was like is this turning her on right now it felt like so unsafe to tell her and like how like the sort of provoking questions she was asking about like in which ways does he touch me and like what does he do to me it felt like it felt like it was violating me in a way yeah but I couldn't speak to it and then I told her like I feel like I'm a bad person because I punched him and that he kept having sex with me and she was like and he was like I don't mean to like I'm doing it in my sleep it's like accident and she was like, yeah, Lacey, it's an accident. Like, sometimes men just do it, and, like, they're just hornier. Mm. And I was like, God, I'm such a bad person for punching him. And then I still have this huge story that I come from violence and that there's violence inside me and that I might punch people. God. Yeah. The, we were failed by so many women like when I think of all of the sexual trauma, because it was almost my whole sexual history was traumatic outside of like five long-term relationships. Um, the reason that I thought that I, you know, because I never like went to the cops. I don't go to the cops. I don't care what you do. But like um, I went to women to help me. And then um, that, oh fuck, that is like a story. I would go to my friend's. And then my friends would end up telling them that I said it was rape. You know, I wasn't trying to, like, get justice. I would just be like, I, he fucking raped me. I don't want to be anywhere that he's at. And then my friends would tell their friends. And then I would get, like, humiliated at school or whatever. And I didn't fucking rape. Who would rape you? Look at you. And it's like, fucking, I mean, not letting me leave the room. Feels a little bit, you know. But I, like, society had his back. And my fucking friends had his back. The, the grown man that was having... I don't think I said he raped me, but I think I definitely was like, do you think maybe if I spend the night here, like the, your guys' roommate, you know? Does he have to fuck me while I'm asleep? Um, and then the guy who molested me when I was a kid, which probably started this loop, like I went to a teacher. When I found out what getting molested is, I was like, oh, hey, that's... Because I, I just thought we were supposed to let people do that to us because, you know, we fucking make kids hug they're gross relatives and shit. So like, I didn't know my body was my own and he wasn't supposed to be grinding into it and reaching into things. And so when I found out what was happening, I told the teacher and same thing. She just like had me 
this got real dark. She just had me like give her like a weekly digest of my abuse forever until I ended up telling someone else. And then she yelled at me like I was collapsing her fucking investigation. It's like, what were you doing with the information you were getting? I remember hearing you tell that on Mormon and the Method. I found Soberish first. And then you had talked about Mormon and the Method a lot on Soberish. So I just like went to Mormon and the Method and clicked on I was molested or we were molested that episode. And I heard you say that and I immediately had a flashback to that psychologist and it felt like the same energy that that teacher had that my psychologist had. And I don't know if it was the same energy, but it, it felt like the same. It didn't feel like I'm here to help you, at least for me. It felt like I'm getting something out of this. Now when I tap into your story, it feels like, and this is the thing I talked about when, not Me Too, but when rape culture first started being talked about, I... I was, I was, thank God I didn't have any, this was just like amongst my family or friends or whatever, but I'm like, oh, all this, like everything's rape. Everything's not rape. If you're drunk, then he's drunk. What is this? Like I was one of these. And it's like, man, as a woman, like I could cause so much fucking harm to victims, but it was cause I couldn't, like if I face your your victim experience and I have to face all of my own. And I'm like, at this point in my life, I don't remember most of my sexual encounters, but every once in a while, one of them will pop up. And I like the one, uh, the one that I was thinking of when I said I falsely accused someone of rape in high school. Um, that was like absolutely fucking rape. It was absolutely fucking rape. And it's like, every time I think of it, I'm like, no wonder I'm like weird about sex. It was like, and that was just the standard. I don't think I was having the grown men thing was like, yeah, but like high school was like all coercion, all every single sexual experience I tried to get out of and then was just pressured. And then would just like fucking lay on the bed and stare at the ceiling with tears falling down my face while like someone just like masturbated with my body. Yeah. I do think there's like a huge element of, women failing other women and women hurting other women within their own trauma. But what really fucked me up for a while was I wanted to believe I could trust women. Like I really wanted to make the masculine the enemy and like trust women. And then they kept like failing me in this. And then I had some experiences where I found out there were, there were female sexual predators and that was like life changing for me because there was something socially acceptable from the time I was like five of like, yeah, men are going to hurt my body in this way. Mm-hmm. But when I realized that there were women who are also sexual predators to young, younger people, it's even hard for me to like say it now. And I hate being so gender based, but like a lot of sexual predators come from sexual trauma. Right. And both genders are doing it. And that was really hard for me to accept. Yeah. I mean, I think it is a, um, I think it's a huge wound that we're going to heal in the next couple of years, but it's going to require a whole lot of truth coming to light in order for us to like face it. And then we're going to have to face the fact that you're not, 
you're not going to heal this wound with punishment. It's just not how it works. Like we have to face like how deep this thing runs and like what it actually is. And, you know, it's going to be tough because we, most of us have experienced it. So it's going to be real hard to like, look at this wound and be like, how do we heal this? How do we actually heal this rather than we just want to throw, throw them off a cliff because we were hurt, you know? Yeah. We're not really ready for that conversation though. I keep I keep just like sprinkling it out every once in a while, like we're not gonna feel this. But yeah. um yeah. one day I'll get to a podcast without talking about se- <laughs> sexual abuse. <laughs> Welcome to Horpod. Um what do you feel like galactic sex define galactic sex? Galactic sex I feel like is sex that like transcends the physical body. Yeah. So I had one, and to be honest, I don't feel like most of these experiences I've had were like with um, genitals out. I had one laying next to, I had one um, like soulmate that we never had sex, but we were like inseparable and slept in the same bed every night when I first woke up. And um, just one night we were sleeping next to each other. And then it had the, it felt sexual. But when I woke up, I looked down and there was energy shooting out of my chest and then back in. It was like popping out of chakras into the next chakras. And they were going, it was going through him and back, like looping back. And we tried to recreate that a million times and we never could. It was not, he was like doing energy work and fell asleep doing energy work. And then, um, it happened in our sleep. And then I had, um, I had an experience last year on psychedelics with someone who I was dating for a minute where same thing, we weren't having sex, but we were like, I did like some energy work in front of him and then like, um, like connected our chakras, which is something intuitively I just feel like I'm supposed to do. And then like this tunnel came around us uh, this energetic tunnel and our physical bodies disappeared. Like when you look down, it was just green glowing light and no, um, and we were like microdosed. It wasn't, I don't ever do like huge things. Um, and then a lot of the stuff in this relationship is like the pushing of energy and like leaving, I'll like leave my body and like go somewhere else. And so I think, the slamming of bodies together, like, feels counterintuitive to me. It feels like, I don't know. We're just like, we're like, well, this is what the animals do or something. Um, <laughs> I feel like sex, when galactic sex is probably more like um, just connecting those energetic fields. And then, like, if you want to do Can something, it? it doesn't feel like it's a lot of physical movement. Like, intuitively to me, it feels like keeping the body still and moving the energy. But do you feel like there's a lot of eye contact in that? Um, intuitively when the, when I got the thing to open the most, which anyone who knows me knows that that's my, like my eyes are always completely, well, not anyone who knows me, but I talk about it a lot. Like looking into each other's eyes during sex is feels like a nightmare to me. So, but intuitively when I was trying to get the heart chakra part of the meridian open, intuitively it was like you have to look into his eyes for this part Mm. and uh but i think it he's like so used to uh my eyes being closed that i think it was kind of weird so then afterwards i was like i think we have to have our eyes open for that part i think that's so beautiful um i have to call him after this and be like do you mind if we talk about sex on 
Uh, Lacey's Horror astral pod. Lacey's astral <laughs> Mark and I have also made an episode. Oh, that's about right. Where you did talk sex, about sex. Um, that may never get released, only in the astral plane. I remember he was like, I've never been with a squirter. And I was like, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a beautiful episode. Thank you for being on Horror Pod. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inspiring Horror Pod. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for being a squirter. For listening to Horror Pod Friends. If you want to book a reading with me, go to LaceyFree.com and you can book a superpower reading or a sex magic reading or a holographic healing session. If you liked this episode of Horror Pod, please like, subscribe, and leave me a review. You can find me on Instagram at LaceyIsFree. Or you can hit me up at LaceyFree.com. I can't wait to hear from you. Mwah!